0: live All on the facebook what up ladies and gents and youtube and the twitter and the twitch and pretty
1: much everywhere man it was uh it was a quick live uh, we had a last minute very 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 last minute cancellation uh so we had to change some stuff up and here we go it's time to get this show on the road shut up and sit down the business bros podcast was created for you man what up ladies and gents we are here doing another show today and we're going to be talking real estate today with this last minute episode we're pulling an article directly from redfin buying in a seller's market nine ways to win when you're buying in a seller's market so first of all uh, you know, welcome to the show. Uh, welcome before we even get started, I want to make sure we remind everybody to hit that little subscribe button. If you're scrolling through, hit the stop button. Uh, give us a like here on the feed, subscribe, rate, follow all those different things. Helps us rise up in the ranks so other people can find the show. Uh, so let's hop into it. Let's do it. We're going to be talking about nine Uh, nine tips here, nine ways to win. Uh, when you're a buyer in a seller's market, so first of all, what is a seller's market? Um, what does this mean? What does it mean? It means that there's low, what ain't no country I ever heard of. They speak English and what. They speak English and what? <laughs> so basically it means uh, like here in San Diego, we have low inventory. There's not a lot of houses in the market. It means that you as a buyer, when you go when you get ready to go out and buy a property, you're gonna be competing with a lot of people who want to buy that same property. So there are multiple offers on any one particular property. Show
0: me the money!
1: And that's, that's what, what it's the about. saying. That's that's what the sellers are saying. Show me the that's money, right? right? That's, right, that's what, yeah, that's what sellers, sellers. are saying. So, uh, so let's get let's let's so when we're going through the show today, just think about it from the buyer's point of view. What do you need to do so that you can be the buyer that wins out in this transaction? So here's how we go. Let's start off with tip number one. Tip number one is the thing that every realtor will tell every single buyer that comes to the market. First things first. Are you pre-approved? So let's get you pre-approved for a home loan. That means you got to get your tax returns. That means you got to get your W-2s. You got to get your bank statements. You got to get all kinds of docs like that all together and set yourself up with uh, some some lender that you trust or some render, lender that is recommended. We have a bunch of lenders that we can recommend to you if you're interested yeah. uh, in getting pre-qualified. There are a lot of people in our Business Bros Network that can help you out, but you've got to get pre-qualified. The purpose of the pre-qualification process is simple. Let's figure out how much house you can afford. Hang on, hang
0: on. As a real estate agent,
1: are you even going to show a
0: house to someone that hasn't gotten pre-approved?
1: very rarely like every once in a while maybe if you're like a really close friend or something but honestly it's it's a waste of time why am I going to show you a million dollar home when you can only afford a half a million dollar home and we won't know that until we sit down and talk to a lender now here's the thing when you do sit down and talk to a lender you're going to uncover some things that you may or may not know about on your own credit report you may or may not know about with your personal finances I've seen it's some- always
0: fun with your with your credit report because dad stuff always shows up right, Hernancius the third.
1: Exactly. So, so there's things that that can come up during this process, and it's important that you sit down with the lender so we can get those things cleared up. So, uh, same thing. Like m- my mom is Noemi, and it's N-O-E-M-I, and my uncle is Noe, N-O-E. They both have the N-O-E. They both have the same last name. Each of them has things that shows up on each other's credit reports. Now, if it's a good thing, great. But oftentimes, it's it's a it's a negative thing when you're trying to get approved for a home loan. So, you know, I'm going to get better.
0: I'm going to get better. At this whole uh fixing myself up to show up on 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 google searches
1: mm-hmm. right
0: like it's gonna happen but right now if you search my name for james c is there's some guy that shows up he's like a doctor or like phd he, somewhere so i'm New like York? i th- i think so i think so i follow like, him on
1: twitter <laughs> <if> it... <laughs>
0: it's hilarious so so if my credit report gets mixed up with his that might be a good thing
1: it could be. It could be. It could be. We'll but see. you never know. So, so here's the thing: the lender's gonna find out a couple things. The lender's gonna find out if you're in a position and how in a position to buy, and how much house you can afford. So, the the bottom line is, you need to figure that out ahead of time. You need to. It's not just how much you make. It also takes into account things like how much do you owe and what are those minimum payments on the debts that you owe. Mm-hmm. They have this thing called a debt to income ratio where they're taking all your income. They're taking into account all your uh, payments. That you're paying out, and there's a ratio there. There's you know, it's debt. To income, it's a ratio, right? And what that percentage is, how much of your income is already promised to somebody else, to a credit card company, to a car, to a student loan, to whatever it is. And once you reach a certain ratio and lenders can can give you more information on that, then you may or may not qualify for a home anymore. So we gotta sit down and, and maybe work out a plan. Here's the thing: uh, if you are interested in buying a home, I suggest you take this first step, even if you don't think you're there yet. The reason why is because James and I, when we first bought our first home, we were 20 years old. I, w- I was 20. He was 19 when we bought our first home. Youngins. And really what it comes down to is we. somebody said we should do it. So we followed their advice. We went and talked to a lender, and that was step one. And they told us, oh, you're close. You got to do X, Y, and Z to get to the position. And guess what we did? We did X, Y, and Z, and then they gave you know a little while after that we found a place and they gave this 19 year old kid and this 20 year old kid a house. Can you believe it? All you got to do is <laughs> follow time, the steps, time. right? So step number one: get yourself pre-approved. Talk to a lender if you don't know one. Hit us up, and you can hit me up at Business Bros Pod. I will recommend you to a couple different lenders that I know and trust, and uh, you decide which one works best for you. So here, uh, so that's step one: get pre-approved. Step number two get a great real estate agent. Again, I've known I know a ton of real estate agents. You guys can work with me directly if you like, but I know a ton of real estate agents that I'm willing to, uh, you know, also recommend that you can work with. Here's here's how you know the difference between a good real estate agent and a bad real estate agent. It's really pretty really, pretty simple. You're going to have to sit down and talk to them and you're going to ask them some tough questions. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the cool thing. I got a list of like 15, 20 questions that you can ask a real estate agent and it'll even come with the answers on those lists. So at least the answer's for me. So that way, when you ask a question to this particular real estate agent and they give you some sort of like BS answer, they're just kind of making it up as they go. You can look on your paper and be like, huh, that doesn't quite make sense. And you can decide on your own whether you want that agent uh, to work with you or not. Here's the thing. I suggest you get an agent who is willing to tell you the truth, who is willing to tell you what's going on, even when it's not good news okay? Because let's face it, you're going into a hot market right now. So you're going to hear, uh, it could be you hear not so good news more often when you submit an offer and you're competing with 10 other people, right? You're going to get not so good news. So when somebody is is honest with you and forthcoming with you, telling you what you need to hear right up front, that's, what, that's a, probably a good agent. If you need some recommendations, again, let me know. I would love to help you out or recommend an agent that we work with. Dude, check out some of our earlier um, like I don't know, episodes like uh 100 to 200. We interviewed so many different real estate agents. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can did. you can get an idea of who they are as individuals because let's face it, you're going to be talking with them on a regular basis. So if you don't get along with this person, might not be the best person to be working with. So check out some of their profiles. Check out some of our episodes uh, in the in the 100 to 200 range. And there's a bunch of real estate agents there that you can uh, you can check out and get to know on your own. Hey, all um, right, yeah. Yo. Tip number three.
0: Now it's starting to get
1: good. Right Now it's starting to get good. Write an offer that, uh, an offer letter that's catered to each home seller. Now, some of these rules have changed uh, in the near future where you're allowed to and not allowed to write certain letters to, to, spe- to specific sellers. But here's the the nitty gritty behind this whole thing, right? And I'll, I'll tell you a little story. When I bought my house that I'm currently living in, uh, I already had uh, like geo-tagged a certain area. The, the area I'm at in National City has an, uh, an amazing view of almost all of San Diego. Right, mm-hmm. so Beautiful. I knew I knew first of all I was going to be in National City because that's where the the wife and the wife's family is from. So I knew I was going to be in this area. <laughs> so I tagged this location, and when a home came up for sale in this in this area, I jumped on it right away. I was I mean it, the house popped on the market like at nine a.m. By ten a.m. I was already here looking at the property. We submitted our offer right away, uh, and we did a lot of these things that we're going to give you on the tips here. And one of the things I did uh, is I got a, a family picture and i flipped it over on the back (laughs) and i wrote a little letter to the to the seller i said and and i told her i was like hey um you know you're you have a lovely home it's got a great pool it's got a great view you grew up here as a kid you know i i'm i'm really looking forward to sharing with my kids the same memories that you had as as growing up here and raising your kids It's just a little, you know, it's the truth, right? It's the truth. And I sent a picture of my kids and the family, right? And lo and behold, guess what? Our offer got accepted, right? But that's the deal here is, is you're trying to use every little tactic you possibly can to make your offer just a little better so that it gets accepted, right? So you want to make sure you, you try any little strategy that you possibly can. And that's, Strategy number three is to write that offer letter catered to each individual seller. So every seller is different, right? Every seller has a different situation that's going on. Uh, if your if your agent is is willing to. Which it should be, have that agent, have a conversation with the other agent, see what the situation is, get as much information as you can. So then when you do write your letter when and and it's specific to that particular seller, you can add little tidbits of their of their particular situation. And that always gives it that personal touch. All right, so that's tip number three. Let's move on to tip number four. Make an offer in cash, if you can, in a seller's market. Look, cash is king. Cash is always the best thing. Cash allows you to do things that uh, conventional or FHA or any of the finance options may not let you do, like uh, timeframes, for example. So the cool thing about having a cash offer is it's already a little bit better. Now, here's, here's the downside in a seller's market oftentimes in a seller's market, the seller has their own terms that are involved. If a seller needs to ha- to sell quickly, cash is the best offer. But if they don't need to sell quickly, maybe cash is only good if you can get them the price that they're looking for. So mm-hmm. cash is always better, at, uh, absolutely, but just because it's 100% cash doesn't mean that it's gonna be the offer that's accepted. So make sure that you also pay attention to some of these other tips that we're gonna go through here because we wanna make sure that we make our offer. Offer as enticing as possible. I mean, dude, we're going through some, some major tough times when we get into some, some of these higher price points and in, in, especially here in San Diego, there is very limited inventory. Uh, and, and if you have some sort of advantage, then you need to take advantage of as much as possible. Uh, it's just some some nut stuff dude going on here. Hey James, you've been you've been talking to a couple um sellers here on the mm-hmm. insurance side, right? Mm-hmm. Um what's what what have you been hearing as far as turnaround times to get uh, the insurance process to, to work with lenders when it comes to uh closing some of these deals?
0: Uh for me personally, it's been a little bit slow, uh, a little bit slower than usual. I've had a couple of uh referrals come through and uh a lot of times I've seen, you know, something like a 2-3 week turnaround. But this time it's going a little bit slower on those, um, so not sure what's
1: going on. Hey, just a reminder, uh, and I got I gotta let you guys know I got a property that's gonna be coming uh, potentially back on the market. If you're a real estate agent and you're watching this right now, I got a place here in Chula Vista that you might want to take a look at. It's immaculate, it's beautiful, and I'd rather do a deal before we get into uh, the the market. Um, DM me send me a message at business bros pod and I will I will give you some of those details if you're part of the business bros network then you already got an email on that so let me know if you're interested because I got something it's off market again we're in a seller's market so before I hop on there we've had a number of offers in the past so we're going to get into that position again so if you want to get in on this before be that agent that knows somebody Right. Be that agent that knows somebody who has off off market deals so that you guys can get in, get your buyers in with that additional advantage ahead of time. So let me know at business bros pod. It's a beautiful home in Eastlake. All right, here we go. Uh, Next one. Number five. Put more earnest money down. And now look, here's the thing. Does it really affect anything in the transaction when you put more earnest money down? No. What it does is it gives your sellers that idea that you have more skin in the game. Mm-hmm. You see, an earnest money deposit is, is the consideration that you need to make a contract uh, enforceable here in, in, California. So let's say for example, the buyer comes up, they write a contract on the home and then the seller says, cool, that's a great contract. I like that they sign. both the buyer and seller have signed the contract. Now that's a great thing, But until there's some sort of consideration exchanged, then that contract doesn't really have any power, right? So you have just signatures on a piece of paper. It's not Mm -hmm. until you exchange some money. So what happens when you put this earnest money deposit down is now you have the contract with two signatures and you have some sort of consideration. That money goes into escrow. And now the buying process or the selling process begins, right? So why put more money down? That shows the seller that you really want to get into this transaction uh, and that you're you're putting your money where your mouth is, essentially, right? I'm
0: your huckleberry.
1: I'm your huckleberry, exactly. So you want to make sure that you come in showing the seller that you really want to make this transaction happen. So yeah, you can get in. You know, you can get into a transaction by you know putting a thousand dollars as an earnest money deposit. There's no real "Quote unquote," actual amount that you need to put in as an earnest money deposit. There are rules of thumb, right? The one percent, or you know, uh, you know, ten thousand, five thousand, three thousand. Like everybody has their rule of thumb. But the truth of the matter is, if you put a nice chunk of change down as your earnest money deposit, you're showing the seller that you intend to close this deal, that you mm. want to get this deal done, and it looks a little bit better than the other person who's coming into the deal and only wants to put in like a hundred bucks or a thousand dollars. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do a hundred bucks. Sorry wrong number but they're only putting in like a thousand dollars or so you know can i mean? do a dollar can i do a dollar i mean technically that is consideration but you get what i yeah all
0: right you better be Ready? dealing doing a deal with like your best friend or you know your brother or whatever in that case
1: yeah 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 well even then i mean even then man sometimes it's the ones that are the closest that end up uh messing things up for you so let's make sure that uh, you have some good communication and you have things written because that's important all right uh, yeah. Step number six, right? Add an escalation clause. Ooh, what the what heck is an escalation clause? All right. So let's imagine that we have a house that is listed for sale. I'm just going to use easy numbers, right? So let's say this house is listed for a hundred grand. Cool. So you want to go in on and buy this property, and so does you know ten other people in your marketplace. So an escalation clause, what it does is it allows you to put an offer in, saying, "Hey, Mister Seller, whatever happens, I'm going to beat the highest bidder uh, that comes in by." X amount of dollars, five hundred bucks, a thousand dollars, whatever it's going to be. So this gives you as the as the buyer a little bit more of a, a little bit more leverage because now you're letting people compete against uh, against each other. But the seller knows that they can always come back to you and you're going to beat that highest price. That's what that escalation clause allows you to do. Uh, you know, it's not always the easiest thing to do, especially if you're you're at the top of your price range. This is why dealing uh, working with a lender upfront is actually is vitally important. Because if you put an escalation clause like this and you exceed what you're allowed to buy, then that escalation clause is not going to work. You're not going to get the deal. It's going to go bad. It's it's not going to be in, in the right area, right? It's not going to work to do that. But in some cases, if you're in a position where you can do this, adding that little clause in there, giving your offer the ability to. Escalate in price might be the difference, and it might only be you know five hundred bucks, a thousand dollars difference than what you offered, anyways. But it's almost an automatic feeling. It, it, think of it like this: if I'm the listing agent and I have a couple offers and I'm presenting them to my sellers, I'm like, check it out. I have this offer at a hundred thousand. I have this offer at a hundred and two thousand, and then I have this offer over here. It's at a hundred thousand also, but they got an escalation clause. They're willing to go a thousand dollars over any of the uh, other offers that come in. Oh, okay, cool. Well, let's take that that one. That one will be at 103, right? That's how that would work. I mean, it's very, very simplified there, but essentially that's what an escalation clause allows you to do. So if you're bidding against other people, that is a strategy or tactic that that you can use. Now, Remember, if you're buying if you're buying and you're uh, working with an agent, um, and I tell this to people who are working with tax professionals as, as well, sometimes your tax professional, your real estate agent or whatever, doesn't know about some of these strategies or they haven't really remembered or they've been, been dealing with a lot of things that doesn't come up. So if you're a buyer and you learn about this because you're listening to the Business Bros podcast, that would be a good time for you to say, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Real Estate Agent, I have an idea, I heard about this, can we do this? You as the as the buyer ultimately are responsible for what happens. So if you have an idea, bounce it off your real estate agent. Let them know you're not offending them. You're not telling them something that's going to hurt them. You're trying to do what they're trying to do, which is give you the best option available. So if you learn something, if you're googling it, you learn something, or you have a strategy, or you have a you know you you have a suggestion, bring it up with your agent. Talk about it, and then make a bit uh, make the best plan to go forward. That's well. If saying. you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth exactly thanks uh thanks lie always a always a good guy that thanks guy. rocky thanks rocky oh dude uh speaking of these guys dude they're they're I think they're like 80s right they're in their 80s now late 70s early 80s Sylvester stallone yeah no how old way. Is Sylvester it dude, dude 70s google it, oh, google it real all right. quick I'll Google it and and it trips me out because you know when you when you see him right there he's already I mean he's he's already an older dude but I, I and it reminds me every time I see him I'm like dude some of these guys I mean they're getting up in age I'm Holy getting up in crap. age How he was, was born he? In
0: 1946 so that makes him 74 told you
1: 70s Wow and, 80s. and he did Rambo just <laughs> throwing it out there and he did Rambo recently <laughs> recently oh man all right uh let's move on to uh, tip number seven, wave extra contingencies. Okay, look, you're a buyer, you're coming in, you're competing with a bunch of people. If you have a lot of contingencies, well, first, what's a contingency? It there means something hap- has to happen. Right before you move on with the with the sale, before you close. So some of the contingencies that are already built into your contract, you have a contingency for uh, loan approval, you have a contingency for appraisal, and you have a contingency for inspection. Those are, are usually the three that are embedded right in your contract. But you can have other contingencies, right? You can have a contingency where, let's say, you want to buy a home, but you need to sell your home first. So your offer is contingent on you being able to sell your home. That is a contingency, right? Uh, it may be contingent on, I don't know, uh, the y- you have to, I don't know, whatever.
0: There's some silly ones you can use too, right? Like I get the car that's in the garage. yeah
1: There's all kinds of different ones that you can use. But every time you have a contingency, think of it as you building a little barrier between you, the buyer, and you, the seller, closing the deal. So if you can get rid of some of these contingencies ahead of time, for example, if you were able to sell your home and then live in an apartment while you Shop for your new home. You no longer have that contingency now. I know that's not ideal for some for some people, right? But that's removing one of those contingencies. It mm-hmm. makes your offer that much more attractive. If you can come in and you're coming in with all cash and you're not worried about appraisal anymore, uh, then you can do. You can ask your agent to do what's called a CMA, right? They're doing a market analysis and and they're they're using comps very similar to what an appraisal would do anyway. So you can get a valuation of the property. Now you're not contingent on appraisal. That's one less thing, Right. Uh, if you're buying the property as is, you know you're buying in a decent area. You walk through. You you can come in and you're buying it as is. Doesn't mean you don't go in with an inspector to check things out. But maybe you go in with your contractor and say, Hey, these are the things I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to uh, fix or change or whatever it is. Again, every contingency that you can remove is. Putting you one step closer to closing the deal. So having, if you can wave them, wave them. If you cannot, try to get them done as soon as possible. Especially on the property that you you do get into escrow. But remember, we're talking about getting into escrow here. So to get in, you got to make your property more attractive. Again, think of the sellers, right? The sellers are sitting here and they're comparing offers. They oftentimes aren't comparing people. They don't know you as an individual. You, the Mm -hmm. buyer, as the individual, they don't know you. They don't know what your face looks like. They don't know your entire situation. They don't know how many kids you have. They don't know how, what dire need you have. They don't know these things. They're looking at contracts as pieces of paper and they're going to choose the best piece of paper that suits their needs, right? So they're looking at these contracts. They're looking at the price. They're looking at what else can stop them from closing the deal. Contingencies can stop you from losing the deal, uh, from closing the deal. So if you can waive those contingencies, by all means do so. Uh, when we- That's good. One last thing. That's right. When we bought the house again, when we bought this house I were looking for, uh, I was already pre-qualified ahead of time. And even though I had to sell my house, it wasn't a contingency to purchase. And that allowed me to get into this house much quicker, much easier. And then I was able to list the house. uh, You know, I I was able to move out, move into this place and then sell the other house. And I was was good to go. So just depends on your situation. And again, that's why number one is to get pre-approved, right? That's my number one.
0: I was going to say, like, it definitely depends on your situation because there was what a month, maybe two, that you had to pay two mortgages.
1: Yeah. And that right? happens and you so, gotta be able to, to, to handle that. So again, exactly. that's why rule number one, if you're having trouble with uh with any contingencies, see rule number one, right? Get pre-approved. Rule number one is that important. This is why when you talk to any real estate agent and they say, you know, and you tell them, hey, I wanna buy a house, the first thing they're gonna ask you is, have you been pre-approved? Because there are a lot of issues and a lot of things, a lot of strategies that can help you get to closing if you're pre-approved. If we know your entire situation, and I know, I know there are skeletons in the closet. There are things you don't want to look at. I don't really you want to. You can't handle the truth. The absolute truth. That is the truth. You get scared about looking into your finances. You get scared about looking into your credit report. Maybe you're hiding something from your spouse that you don't want her to know about or he to know about, right? Whatever it is, I get the stress. But if you're going to. I hope you're in short. But if you're gonna purchase a home, make sure you get pre qualified. It might give you the opportunity to do this step number seven, which was to waive some of these extra contingencies. All right, moving on. Number eight don't restrict the seller to a timeline. Now, uh, there's this is a double-edged sword here. On the one hand, you want to make sure that you do have a timeline. But as a buyer, if you're giving your sellers the flexibility that they need to close, then you're a much better buyer. You're you're meeting mm-hmm. the needs that the seller wants. So again, the seller's looking at the contracts, and they you know your your seller's like, you know what? I got to sell my place. I'm, I need to sell this place, but I, I'm also buying another place. Maybe the seller that you're that you're buying the house from is moving up in a property and they're buying another house, so they might need that little bit of flexibility. Maybe they need to close escrow and stay in the house for a little bit just so they can close escrow on their other one. They Mm -hmm. have to have some flexibilities here. If you're the buyer in a seller's market and you're competing with multiple offers, having that having a little bit of leniency on the on the timeline will help make your offer that much more attractive right you don't know again you don't know what the situation is but you can let them know that you're a little flexible on that time frame now that doesn't mean i'm gonna and i'm, I'm gonna emphasize this because I, I literally went through this myself it doesn't mean that you don't want to know what the timeline is right that's not what we're saying here. A timeline is still important when we're talking about closing escrow. You still need to know when contingencies will be removed. You still need to know when inspections are going to be done. You still need to know when you're expected close of escrow date. We're not saying get rid of those things. That's not what I'm saying here. All I'm saying there is as a buyer, have some flexibility to alter some of these timelines so that you know that you're giving that seller the opportunity to close. You're going to be grateful. They're going to want to choose your particular offer. Don't be like this guy. (laughs) Today, Junior! (laughs) all right i mean you can be that way just understand is the buyer side there's a little it's a little bit tougher right on the seller side in the seller's market when they have so many options it's a little bit different all right number nine last tip here be willing to make concessions during negotiations. Ooh. Now, we talked about this. You can get an appraisal done. You can get an inspection done, right? These are two, two of the con- major contingencies that are always in every single contract. Now, when you get an inspection done, that means you hired an, an inspector to come to the house that you're thinking about buying, and they're going to go through, and they're going to tell you every little thing that is every wrong with the house. Every single
0: tiny thing, yeah. I'm talking about I everything. Love it. Every. I love those inspections.
1: The inspection reports are really good. They're things for you to know, but here's, here's what you need to understand. Every house, even new construction houses Mm -hmm. are going to, are going to, you're going to get an inspection report with things that are wrong. It's just the way it is. And it's not to say that everything on the inspection report needs to be fixed, needs to be corrected. It's an FYI. This mm-hmm. is for your information. Most inspection reports are going to come with a list of things that are highly recommended cuz maybe they see something in a wall, maybe they see some mold, Foundate. maybe they see yeah, foundation issues. Those are definitely, you know, big red flags that you want to mm-hmm. pay attention to. Every inspection report is going to have a list of things. If there's a crack in the fence, it's going to be there. If there's a, you know, I don't know, a, a little chipped corner on on a tile, it's going to be there. If there's a little bit of calcium deposit on your sink, it's going to be on the report. Every little thing is going to be on that inspection report. And that's for you, the buyer, to know what you're buying, right? Now, what often happens is you get that inspection report, you sit down with your agent and the inspector, they go over everything and you have this overwhelming feeling like, oh my gosh, I am buying a lemon, even though it is not a <laughs> lemon, right? But you feel that way. So you're, you and your agent sit down and you're going to fill out what's called a request for repairs. So you're going to request that the seller make repairs on the home based on this inspection report. And that's where some of these negotiations begin. Now, the seller could make those repairs for you out of their pocket. They might credit you some money at close of escrow. They might tell you, sorry, no, we're not doing any repairs, whatever the situation is, right? and this is where the negotiations happen. This is where the back and forth happens. If you're in a hot market and you've already think about this as the buyer right now, you're in escrow and you quickly, quickly forgot what it was like hunting for houses because you're in the, you're, you're now in escrow. You forgot about that. So you start talking about all these different requests for repairs, right now. I understand that you want to make the, you want to get those things repaired. But my suggestion, if you're a buyer, only go after some of these major things. If there's foundation issues, go after that for sure. If there's mold issues, go after that for sure. Uh, but some of the smaller stuff, that's just part of doing business. You're going to have to eat that so that this negotiation can move through to the end and you close. A seller might just give up on you and be like, sorry, we're not going to make those repairs. You're either going to take it or we'll go on to the next offer. That- Yeah, you don't want a dead deal, right? Dead deals suck. Believe me, they they've happened. They suck. They're not the most uh the most the funnest thing to be talking about, but they do happen. So if you're a buyer and you're entering into negotiations, understand where you came from. You came from hunting uh, houses over and over again, getting declined on offers, and now you finally got one in escrow. Do the best you can to enter these negotiations. You might have to concede to some of the requests for repairs that you're talking about. You might have to, re- uh, here's another one, and I'm going to throw this one out there. We're having a lot of appraisal issues out in San Diego, right? Oh, so yeah, you fun. don't know what's going on here in the apprais- appraisal market. You might have a house that you think is $650,000 and you have a couple comps in there that you think is good. You hire the appraisal, the appraisal comes in at 600, right? All of a sudden you have that $50,000 difference and that's going to affect your ability to finance this property. So either you as the buyer are going to come out of pocket some, maybe you can negotiate with the seller to come down some, but these are the types of negotiations that you as the buyer in this particular market situation must be able to concede some of these things right find another way to close this deal so anyways those were nine tips for buyers uh in a in a hot seller's market and Hopefully- if you follow all of those nine tips
0: you got your victory dance well i got it right here
1: yeah That's the goal, right? If you follow online tips. So anyways, if you guys have any questions, make sure you hit me up at Business Bros Pod on all our social medias. Follow us on uh, all the social media pages. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe uh, so that we can get a little bit higher up on those iTunes ranks. Appreciate you guys spending some time with us. Hopefully you learned a little something today. And if you have any questions, I'm here for you. That's all we got for you guys today. And I forgot to mention, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I forgot to mention, today is SHIT. So So happy happy Thursday. Thursday. (laughs) Peace, y'all. Bye-bye.